0: (laughs) yeah what's up man i'll tell you it's thursday night um you know just got done talking baseball i could have gone for another hour probably randall but you know i i was so anxious to get off the air shove some food in my face freshen up my bourbon and get on the air with you because this is the fun hour right this is when we get to actually talk about whatever the heck we want to talk about so first off how's
1: it going brother Oh, it's great, man. It's uh, Thursday for me and you both. It's just a little crazy because we (laughs) both do shows. Uh, We came on the air at 630. Then I, uh, I got off the air. And as soon as I got off the air, I started listening to you and the baseball. Drove home and you finished. I got about a 45 minute, 40 minute ride from the studio. So as soon as you finished. I ran in the house and shoved two bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwiches <laughs> in my mouth did a mock draft and then got online with you.
0: Nice. Yeah. And you know what? It's funny because you, it, it, on one hand you work so hard preparing all this, right? Yeah. But on the other hand, what the heck else would you rather be doing? So, you know, that's why I like doing this show with you because we kind of can just do whatever we want to talk about. Right.
1: True. And you know, you got me thinking about catchers and I mean that's probably the reason <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that uh Gary Sanchez is not going to be in the hundred and eightieth ADP if I'm in the league. So. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and you know, I mean, that's the thing when you talk about that. Well, so okay, so that's kind of my point is kind of how you have to analyze, especially this year, coming off of that shortened year last year. You got all these wonky numbers where teams couldn't re- or players couldn't really, you know, get their groove, or maybe they started out real hot. A guy like Jake Cronenworth, who you know started out real hot, and then you know, I mean, I'm not, nothing against Jake Cronenworth; he's a pretty good player, but, you know, he's he's not going to hit whatever it was, 320 or whatever it was, you know, year in, year out, right? A guy like Gary Sanchez to me, if you look at it, um, he's got a lot to prove, and in that lineup, boy, he's going to be well protected, so I it's just one of those guys. You gotta, you gotta. It's a little bit of a risk. And, and one thing I didn't mention: if you're gonna take a guy like Sanchez, you almost have, you almost have to turn around and take a a high floor backup, especially yeah. if you're in a league where you have a bench and you're able to do that, right?
1: Right. And you know, I looked at it when you were talking about Contreras. That was like my one guy that I was like, there'll be somebody in our league. We're gonna play a league together. That's gonna go get Contreras. Yeah, in the seventh or eighth round, I don't, I don't, I don't have any doubt about it. Yeah, um, I really like to wait, wait for catcher, uh, but I like to wait. I like to get the one guy that I feel decent about, but then right. I also like to go ahead and stack somebody else right next yeah. to him. Yeah, in the mock I did a few minutes ago, I drafted Sanchez, but I also took Sean Murphy. Right. So, right. I, I, You know, in that situation, I'm almost hedging my bets because I'm taking. Two guys that you don't know what you get, but you're going to get good production, I'd say, out of one of them. You
0: you know, that's a great point. You talk about with Cotreras, someone reach it for him. Here's my thought process on that, right? So, and this this speaks to the value of, like, actually going and making your own personal value set, right? Because you saw on my list, I had him, I don't know, second or third. Really, third, I think. And, and, you know, I I jumped him over – Salvador Perez, I jumped him over a couple other guys that were ranked just above him, and I did that in the mindset that when you go and you draft and you know you have this valuation that isn't, you know, what the industry is telling you, Right. then you can reach, because it doesn't matter what the numbers say at the beginning of the year. If you think Wilson Contreras is your third best catcher, then you need to rank him accordingly. And if the third best catcher on the board is Salvador Perez at 91, you can theoretically go up to 91 and get Contreras and not
1: reach for it. Yep, I, and feel good about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You Sometimes know, I,
1: you're going to be wrong. That's just the name of that game, though, right? Right, right. And there comes a point in any draft, football, baseball, basketball, that you are drafting upside and you know, you know, in baseball, <laughs> Play on words, a right? deeper. you know, you may go, you may go into round seven, now eight and, you know, feel good about it. But in these 20 round drafts, you're at, you know, somewhere you're going to start going, okay, I'm going to take some flyers here. And that's the way you win your league is for a couple of those flyers. to hit. You know, uh, the, I, I tell you a guy I looked at tonight and I was like, Wow. He really had a great year until you look at it. You really don't know what a great year. Brandon belt had in San Francisco last year at 32 <laughs> years old. He broke out and it's not what you suspect. If you don't go look at that number, you're just going to say, Oh, it's Brandon belt. I don't want him, you know? Well, and you're absolutely
0: right. And it just kind of speaks to how you want to break down, um, your strategy, right? He he plays in a situation where he's, he's not in a great offense. Um, He's not, you know, a a lot of things that um, you want out of your first baseman. And and in all honesty, I don't know if that's an anomaly. I don't know if it's repeatable. I kind of talked about that a little bit with uh, Austin Nola, right? Right. Um, I, I want to see it a couple years. And, and at, again, at 31 years old, you just have to wonder how much, he, even if he does continue that production, how much he's able to repeat it. Um, now, it, it's happened. You know, look at Whit Merrifield a couple of years back. Right. There's been other instances where that's happened, right? But um, they're more so the anomaly than than the norm. So, But you're absolutely right, and I think it's a very valid point um, that a lot and – and I'll get to it this way – a lot of those teams out in the West Coast – get overlooked absolutely it's the dodgers and then the wrestler's teams yep so if you can pin down on a couple guys out on the west coast i think you're setting yourself up for success
1: you know uh I, let's take let's take what the one guy that i know i will be over adp on and that i will come in a little early and if you're telling me the one guy i can get that isn't a top 50 guy but i think he's going to have top 50 numbers i love zach gallon and he's a guy out in arizona that not a lot of people will not a people a lot of will crave that yeah. gallon in their yeah. draft you know I, I do that every year and, you know and i like to get maybe two pieces from a team so if you find somebody that's nice go get him um you know i'm really excited i'm really excited about what san diego's putting together too I, that oh, offense yeah. is just great. And I think yeah. I think those guys, I think they're so good and so young, they may get undervalued in a fantasy situation.
0: Well, and, and you know, I mean, it's one of those scenarios where um, it, it's kind of going to be. I, so, so. again, guys like Cronomorth are intriguing to me. Um, you know, I, you, you know, Grisham is intriguing to me. Actually, a funny point: I just traded Zach Gallen in in the dynasty league I just took over. Um, I was loaded up on pitching, and I'm trying to get a little bit of youth infused. Um, I traded him for, and this is a pretty deep. There's a 50 position league. I traded him for uh, Cabrani Hayes and um, and um, Matt Libertor from the Cardinals. So I was pretty happy with that. I mean, yeah. you know, the it's kind of a flyer on Libertor, but with Hayes at third base, I feel like I got a potential all-star here maybe as soon as this time next year. And with my pitching staff, I mean, I have – again, this is an inherited team. It's pretty loaded. I, I have guys coming up off an of injury like uh, Ed Rod and Paxton. Uh, I could afford to let go of them. I, I hated to do it, but I, I'm pretty happy about the return I got.
1: You got high value. You got more than you could have gotten – Twelve months ago, with an armed robbery for Zach Gallen, right? So, right. yeah, I mean, I get it. Uh, I'm also, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to listen to your show about middle end building because yeah. the the one strategy that I've went away from in baseball that's always been successful, and I need to get back to it, and I'm going to get back to it in 21. Is I think there's certain positions you can identify. And you can be ahead of the league so far that you can really make a difference in your team. And this year, I I really think it may be second and third. If you've got one of those top second basemen, one of those top third basemen, I've never seen shortstop so deep. I mean, there's so many shortstops out there. Um, Except for Trey Turner. Is he the one guy that you think could go from like a seventh round pick, but still lead all all the majors? I mean, could he be number one in fantasy by the end of the year?
0: I, I love Trey Turner. I mean, it, it's funny, and, I, you know, I think it's a great, you know, you kind of touched on it. You kind of have to know, know the lane you're in when you're talking about these positions, right? So if you're on the corner, um, you know, obviously you, you're thinking power. Um, you don't want to hurt yourself with average, and you're not generally getting speed. You're thinking RBIs. You're not thinking runs generally, right? Um, so, so if you can get a guy like you know, I don't know, I, 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 just someone who can give you some stolen bases on that quarter, especially like when we play in like a head-to-head league, yeah. and you're facing up against somebody, and you can slot a guy who maybe is a short third eligible over to third base to steal steals for the week. Yeah. That's valuable, right? Um, so I, I love Trey Turner. I've always loved Trey Turner. Um, I feel like, you know, he's one of those guys that maybe hasn't put it all together yet. And I know that's kind of scary because he's had some pretty damn good years, right? Um, but but to me, he's he has, you know, number one overall potential. And I know that's lofty.
1: It is, but it's possible. It's absolutely
0: possible. And, you know, one could say that for the Nationals to truly contend this year, they're going to need that out of him.
1: Yeah. And you hit on a point that I think a lot of people miss with those guys, especially the middle infielder. If you can find a guy that's eligible at second, short, third. right, You know, D.J. uh, Lemayu is eligible at first, second, and third. I mean, you pick him, and then you've got some flexibility to let your team come together and figure out where you're going to play.
0: Yeah.
1: So you miss on your second baseman. Well, he's your second baseman then. Yeah, you miss completely at third base. You oh look, I, you know, sometimes when you, I'll spend up a little bit for those guys that's got a little bit of flexibility in them, and uh, you know, I will. Uh, I love. I love me a good. Uh, I love me a good guy that uh, give me somebody that's draft that's eligible at second, shortstop, and third, and I'll overpay every single time, or you can catch a guy like Mirfield. Eligible outfield and second base.
0: Yeah. And, and that's ultimately, you know, when you're building your team, how I always like – first off, you always got to get a first baseman because there's not a whole lot of them, right? And, um, you know, generally they're not one of the types of – that's not the position where you really want to have a guy who's flexible. Now, I will say this. Sign me up for Kestin Hero this, this year at first base all day, every day. I mean, you know, you're talking about a guy, and I don't, I don't have the ADPs in front of me. I could get it quickly enough, but it doesn't seem value-added, right? But Kesson Hur, to me, uh, moving over from second to first base with the addition of Colton Wong, signed me up, Randall.
1: Sounds all, all day. I, you know, uh, that is another nugget you threw out there. I'm going to be doing my research on Colton Long, uh, Long this week. <laughs> yeah, those I, numbers at Miller Park are ridiculous.
0: Yeah, and, and you kind of have to be careful with those, right, because sometimes you're facing really bad pitching. <laughs> but I don't think that's the case here. I mean, you look at back at some of the arms that they have, I don't think that's the case with, with Milwaukee. I just think it's the fact that he really <laughs> likes to hit there. And, you know, let's be honest, that's – um, you know, outside of Coors Field, that's probably the most hitter-friendly park in the majors. Yeah, yeah. So, and
1: it's it's actually killed a couple of really good arms I think.
0: Oh, it's really hard to pitch there, and, and I don't think people realize that enough.
1: I was so high on Freddie Patrol, Patrol, a couple of years ago. I still am.
0: I'm not going to to you. I still am. He'll figure it out. He's still young.
1: Yeah, and you know one thing you can't teach is a 97 and, and mile an hour fastball.
0: Corbin mile. Burns is another one. I I, I trust sure. both of those guys. So 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 let's pivot a little bit. I want to talk some college basketball, but first I want to pepper you, pepper you with a couple questions. Hey, mate. last night, you know doing a little draft prep, sitting with the wife watch TV, flipped through the channels, came through for the love of the game came on uh, my, my my second favorite baseball movie of all time. Uh, um, just get
1: with me if if I've watched it last, it'll be my favorite one, but if it's all. <laughs> <laughs> Saw Bull Dorm before that. I'd be Bull Dorm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's just talk about it real quick. Your favorite baseball movie and
1: why? Well, I, I think Love of the Game is my favorite movie. And it, it's, you know, of all the baseball movies, that is a fictional movie, but it's so well written. Yeah. That you just take a journey with this guy through nine innings. And the catcher character John every, Riley's great. Yeah everybody knows that guy on his favorite major league team.
0: Yeah. yeah. You
1: could have named a hundred names, but when I was watching that in a lot of ways, I see Greg Maddox and like Greg Olson. Yeah. You know, and you're just walking through it. Now I I, feel the dreams is right there though. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a sleeper for me, uh, a, a, a sleeper that I don't know. I, 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 and you got to be in the mood. It's 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 a comedy, but the original Major League. Will oh make yeah, me yeah, that's a classic. It, it, I could turn it on right now, and I couldn't go to sleep because I'll be cackling.
0: <laughs> no, I'm I'm with you. I mean, that, that, those are all great choices. Um, I, You know, I, obviously. um, for Love of the Game is is definitely I, what I like about For Love of the Game. It's my second favorite, like I said, movie. And, and the thing I like about it is it talks about, you know, for me growing up in baseball, I, I just think it does a really good job of um, walking through those special relationships you have with your friends. Um, when you're playing the game, you know um, really kind of <laughs> it's funny because you know the love story makes it a little sappy I get it but yeah. um, you know I, I think it it, it kind of it it does that on purpose because I think it's kind of drawing trying to draw a correlation between the relationships you have on the field versus the relationships you have off of them and they're very similar, right I mean um, y- you put time and care into the into the into these relationships and you know for me the scene where the um the the outfielder uh lets the ball go into the stands off of his glove and it's real embarrassing and he says to him you know don't make it don't don't let this define you or whatever he says I can't remember but to me that just kind of shows like you know we're very vulnerable um in in the game sometimes And, and sometimes rather than being beaten down the best thing to do is build someone back up um and I think that's a good life lesson
1: that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie too. Just the way that yeah. they're all out there to make, to, to make fun of you right now. Don't make fun of yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Also, I guess I take from that movie too. Um, I am a baseball fan and you know, I've had, I've struggled with baseball at times, Jeffy. Sure. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in my fifties. I, I went through the steroid era completely. And, you know, I, I didn't know what it was. I just knew the guys were changing and, you know, I went through two strikes and and there's been times I've gotten really fu- frustrated with baseball. But to me, there's there's a love of the game as a baseball fan. And it's almost like a romance. Baseball, it really is. If baseball is a game of numbers, statistics, and you have to embrace that, love it. And then it becomes part of your life, you know? Yeah. And it's just like the girl in the movie. His two great loves was baseball and her. Yeah. Trouble with the curve, another good. Oh, question. I love it!
0: I love it. Uh, you know, I and, and to me, you know, so I, the, just back to for love of the game. I love that that scene where they're sitting there and they're talking, and he says something to her, and she's like, "They count that," and he's like, "We count everything in baseball. That's what we, we do. Count we count." Everything. And that that's the lo- That's what's so great about it, right? I mean, you know, if you want to know what a guy does versus left-handed hitters on a Friday night versus d- division foes, you can find that out.
1: Yeah, you know what? We've talked about Ken Burns a little bit. Yeah, I wished, um, I wished I could have went to one of those great parks in the '30s. Oh, or TV, amazing, and, and just amazing, seeing, seeing the game. You know, and, and you know, uh, it, it, my I love football more than any sport. I've grew up with football. I, I've been around it all my life that era of baseball may be my favorite era of sport ever yeah and, and you know every kid every kid had his team every kid would look at the newspaper and the radio personalities oh my lord yeah it was it was awesome man and the game is really the game has really changed but it's still the same
0: it's great it's absolutely amazing and i love it I mean, and, and, and you know, I, I, these these movies that can capture, we didn't even talk about Bull Durham. I'd be remiss if I didn't le- at least say a couple things about Bull Durham for me personally. Um, as you, you know, you've played in my leagues. All my team names are, are what? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Something to do with the movie.
0: Fear and Arrogance. Yes. Yes. <laughs>
1: every, I, I, every, I was going to say <laughs> like Candlestick. I knew
0: no, was- no, every, every fancy team name I have is Fear and Arrogance. Fear and Arrogance. I had Fear a dog named Nuke. So you know, I mean, the the thing I love about Bull Durham it's the it's the it's the eternal struggle versus young and talented and dumb versus old and wise and declining, right? And 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 you know, the brash versus calculated. And you throw in again a little bit lighter in that one, the romance with Susan Sarandon, some of the lines in there, um, and, and then on top of that. You know, just knowing that area, living in North Carolina for a couple of years, yeah. it just kind of, you know, it, it, it. To me, it is just, it, it, it's a masterpiece.
1: And they grab some real pieces from baseball history. Oh. Max Packen. Yep. Just if you ever been to a minor league game in the sixties and seventies, you saw the guy. I mean, I got to see him myself. <laughs> um, also. Hit the ball, win a stake. I, exactly. I that sign's still up in Durham. It right is.
0: Now. Well, it was as of five years ago.
1: So, yeah, they really captured what minor league baseball is, and, and uh, I have the conversation a lot. We've kind of talked about it on here. In the South, uh, yeah. where I live in Chattanooga, yeah. Tennessee, lookouts. Yeah, the minor leagues were yeah. the baseball we grew up with. Yeah, we had the Braves. That's it, and you right. know. But every little town, Knoxville had a minor league team. Yeah, Kingsport's got a minor league team. Rome had a minor league team. Chattanooga, Chattanooga had a minor league team. You know, I could tell you the starting lineup of the Jacksonville Dolphins in 1984. You know, uh, I can tell you that <laughs> I saw, I saw, I saw a, a team that had three American League rookies of the year back to back to back play. Yeah, and uh, baseball. If if you're in one of those towns that doesn't have a major league team, you can still love baseball and Absolutely. still see baseball.
0: I, I, I tell you, I saw um I saw Tyler Glasnow pitch in my hometown. That's awesome. <laughs> I saw um I saw Luis Robert at Winston-Salem single leg. That's I awesome. saw Garrett Cole. I could reach out and touch Garrett Cole. I was so close to him here at Indy. Austin Riley. Ozzie Albies. I mean that—that's the great part. Is and if you know, you know, if you scout a little bit, you you know who you're looking for, right? Yeah. Which makes it even cooler. But the, the other part of that is if you aren't, and you just go, you know, I saw Eloy Jimenez up at South Bend. I, I mean, you know, some of these guys. I'm not gonna. I mean, I knew who Luis Robert was, but I didn't know he was gonna be what he is. Right. Right. I mean, I knew he was a talented kid out of Cuba. But he was a little beanpole. I mean, he didn't – he stole a base. He didn't do anything special. But you just never know. That's the point, right?
1: Yeah. I got to see Bo Jackson. Oh, wow. I, and you know what? I was lucky enough that I got to see Michael Jordan play for the Barons, you know. Nice. And those are things that you can never – Bo Jackson is my favorite baseball memory. And it, oh. it and, and and it happened in Chattanooga. I saw him hit – a fastball as far and as hard as I've ever seen a baseball hit in my life. And and the sound was so different than anything I'd ever heard. That moment stays in my head. But, yeah, baseball is a great sport. To to, to me, Bo Jackson's a baseball player.
0: Yes. He's a great football player. Yes. And I I don't know if you saw that. Your show the other night when you guys were talking about all-time greats, I piped in with Bo Jackson. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I just—if uh, that guy—if that guy could have stayed healthy, he—he um, he would have been. Well, he was a generational talent.
1: He's a Hall of Famer if he's healthy in two sports. Exactly, exactly. But he was as fun as it was to see him in a football uniform. You just didn't see that raw athletic ability on the baseball field as much. You know that that. I can do things that no other human can do ability. Right. I, right. You know, I truly believe Bo, Bo Jackson not only could have made the football hall of fame, the baseball hall of fame. There's a pretty good chance he could have made the U S Olympic sprint team. Oh, no doubt about it. There's I no mean,
0: question in my mind. Unreal. People that didn't grow up in that era. Don't realize that. That's uh, I mean, just so underrated as a talent. So, so let, let's, I, I got two more questions. All right. So we're going to talk some college basketball. All right? right. I want to get into that. Um before we get into some more pressing talk, more more interesting talk. Uh, you know, Oscar Shipway. He's he he's going to make the I think he's going to make the next start for Kentucky. Yeah. Does Oscar sheebway help turn Kentucky around? Do they turn them? Because all they have to do is go 500, and they're in a tournament. D- does
1: that make a big difference for, for Kentucky? I, I think it's enough to get tucky, Kentucky in the tournament. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised at how easily this happened. Uh, and I don't want to talk um, about that. Yeah. I am a... I'm, I'm, I'm almost disappointed that it happened. It's becoming too easy. You know, I don't want to be here, you know, and, 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 and everybody knows behind me is a huge T and Tennessee's got NCAA trouble going and, Mm -hmm. you know, 25 kids hits the portal, you know, it's getting to where it's just too easy for kids to say, I don't want to be here. Yeah. It benefits you when you're running hot. Right, Oscar Seaway. It's it, he can walk out of West Virginia and walk into Kentucky, but I, I'm rooting against him. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I just don't want him. I don't <laughs> want him to be the answer because yes. again, I know you're a West Virginia guy, I, and I, I say this because not being a West Virginia guy, but being a Bobby Huggins guy, <clears throat> I really wanted that team complete. Yeah, yeah, and I think you saw it hurt. West Virginia a little bit over the last, you know, three or four weeks. But I have a little different take on that, though. Hit me with it.
0: So, so first off, I I I want to start to build a little bit of a story here because I think it's important to know. So I think it's Huggins and Calipari are pretty good friends. Yeah. Um, Huggins, quite frankly, is pissed off at Perry over this, and you know I think it might have damaged friendship. Uh, ba- basically he said, you know, I thought, I, I, I thought, you know, I thought we had more class than this. Um, so that that's the first layer of that, that I, I don't think is maybe being comprehended as well as should be. Um, is that underlying like, you know, unspoken agreement that, Hey, we don't snipe from the others. Right. Yeah. So tying into your too easy to transfer theme. The second part to that is I, I would, take your suggestion about West Virginia not being as good because of it, and I will double down on the fact that we just came out of COVID. True. And Derek Culver was definitely one of the COVID cases. It affected him kind of mildly. He he had some symptoms. And Emmett, Emmett Matthews was the other guy. So, so you're talking about your four and your five. You're starting four and you're starting five, having a respiratory disease, and a game that relies solely on running up and down the court. I think you've block. seen
1: over the last couple games, those two guys are starting to feel good again. I just, uh, there, I guess my thought was, during the Florida game, it seemed yeah. like West Virginia needed the one more body. But I don't follow it as close as you do. Right, right. Well, and, and
0: it's a, so. So the other thing it's done for West Virginia, it's let them play to their strengths more. That's it. True. Spreads the court out, and it lets Culver operate on the inside. It lets they have a lot of shooters. They have about six or seven shooters, like true legitimate shooters. And then you could put Osa Boyan and you could put Culver in there to kind of clean up and and get their their now. Nah. The other thing it does is it lets Culver put his butt on the defender and post up. So it really kind of makes them play to what kind of team they really are. I can see that. The other part, the the way part of it, I I totally agree with you. I I, I just, like, for sake of – and it doesn't have anything. with. I don't care that he transferred to Kentucky. I don't care that, you know, um, he, he backstabbed and hugged. I, what I care about, he quit on his friends. He quit on a program. And he did it in an immature way. Because here's what the – you want to get down to what brass tax is, Randall. He didn't work as hard in the offseason as the other teams on, kids on the team did. And when it came time for that to flush out, rather than stepping up and being a man and saying, Yeah, I effed up,
1: he ran away. That's my problem. I, I agree with the uh the team thing. That that's what bothers me. And you know, I agree. I have a good friend, his name's Austin Frills. What's up, buddy? And we taught and Austin is my ex-intern at work. So Austin is just out of college. He's 24, 25 doing great things in his career. We vehemently disagree about the transfer rule. I am more of the old school. You sign with a school, you can transfer, but it costs you something. Right. It, it, he is more of the instant satisfied, I can leave now and be eligible right now. Right. I, I'm scared what's going to happen, and in, in especially college basketball, if you're Duke and you're a point guard away from a national championship, is Mike Shusevsky going to Duquesne right. to recruit their all-conference point guard? You know, I just don't want that to become the norm in college right. basketball. Because I love small level. I love oh, it's I love great. the Tattanooga box. I love, look, man, when it comes turning time and we're on that it's show yeah. March the 14th, I'm picking Drake to win their first round game. No matter who they're playing. I just, I just don't want them to be in the draw with Tennessee. I, Drake will be a 12th seed and I'm going to have Drake to the sweet 16. If you don't like it, get your own sleeper. You that, like the Drake. That, yeah. I mean, that's, that's what makes that tournament in college basketball. Sacred to me. Albany State does not have a chance to win an NCAA football playoff game. Right. Albany State has a chance to win an NCAA tourney basketball game. And that's what makes March Madness, March Madness. Every year it's going to happen. Uh, yeah, not it, good does, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Every year. Yeah. And a couple of years ago, we faced it. We were part oh, of that. us too. The Royal Chicago run to the Final Four. And I truly believe if we don't lose to them, we're in the final four where they're at. Yeah. But, Yeah. You know, it happens. It happens, and it was fun to watch them. And I remember about the same friend Austin. Every time they would show that nun on TV, who was the school provost or right. whatever. Yep. He would just be like, "She sold herself to the day. She sold herself to the devil for them to be in the final four. That. that <laughs> was, I mean, and he was playing, but still, it was. That's what makes it so great. You know what else makes it great? West Virginia is what, probably a four seed right now, you would think? Three seed? Still got as much chance to win the tournament as anybody else.
0: Listen, you're absolutely right. And this is what I like, again, to my point earlier. Um now's when you want to start playing well.
1: Yeah. Because yeah, they, they look do.
0: at that last 10. They look at how you did in the, tor- the conference tournament. And that's, you know, it doesn't matter that you're whatever, 12 and five right now. It doesn't matter. You know who we play in the next six games, Randall?
1: Probably the elite of the Big 12.
0: Kansas, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Baylor twice, and Texas Tech.
1: So, for me, the story of the week in college basketball Hmm. was Tennessee and Florida getting two huge wins in that Big 12 SEC tournament. Yeah. Getting back to conference play and losing to two teams they had no business. No, in. you're you're right. And I think that speaks
0: to how physical those games are, right? On both ends. Um and and, and you know, I love that. I love that that Big Twelve SEC showdown. That was so much fun. But you know, it 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 does, it takes a toll on you. And you know, it's a totally it's a similar type of play. But it's a totally different type of play. I'll tell you, you know, I I give the Gators a ton of credit. They – and, and, you know, Mountaineer games usually get called a little differently. Um, We – it seems get – it seems to get – that we get the short end of the stick often when it comes to how teams – just because we're so physical, right? Right. I can say not one word about the refereeing in that game. Florida just flat out played us. Especially down the stretch, so you got to give them credit when that happens.
1: Yeah, and and, you know Florida is a team uh, that you know there are uh, you know it 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 we don't like the Gators too much up in Tennessee, but right after they lost Johnson to the heart condition, they beat Tennessee at uh, at 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 Gainesville. They play again in Knoxville. You know, you kind of root for those kids because they've lost three of their top five at different points and. And all—I mean, I think it was preseason all SEC defensive player of the year. Yeah, and he's gone. Yeah, you know, and 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 you think about the Hank Gather story and how well oh. they played after Hank's death, right? And, and thank God this wasn't a tragedy like that. But you know, um, I thought it was a real good game. I thought Tennessee. I thought Kansas is in a tailspin. Tennessee's in a tailspin. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Kansas is in a tailspin. That They're not playing well. That's equal to the Kentucky tailspin right now.
0: Well, I hope they don't come out on Saturday.
1: <laughs> they looked really bad against Tennessee.
0: Yeah, that really. it's it's definitely not um, not what you expect when you play them, right?
1: No, and and you know I have a lot of respect for their coach. His name's popping out of my head, Bill Self. Yeah, um, but I it, that basketball team did not look very prepared.
0: So, so. So, can we talk about Baylor a little bit? Yeah, I mean, did you see them against Texas? I did. Uh, you know, what, uh, uh, what, what, what's your criti- criticism of Baylor as a basketball team?
1: My criticism is, I had the wrong team favorite to win the tournament. I
0: have, <laughs> I
1: have now moved Baylor in front of Gonzaga.
0: Yeah, and, and uh, I mean, so. Uh, You want to talk about a team taking on the embodiment of their coach?
1: It is 100%.
0: What they do well. They shoot. They don't miss open jump shots at all. Yep. They do a great – it's not a pick and roll, but like a a motion offense, right? And they drive to the bucket exceptionally well. Their defense could be suffocating. And they're multifaceted. Uh, to me, you're talking about a team here that could beat you with any of their starters. Yep. They've won every game by eight plus points this season. The only other team to do that for the entire season is a 1991 UNLV team. Now, we got a ways to go. I understand that. We do. But I just. They beat Texas. That that game was close with six minutes left, Randall. And they just suffocated them down the stretch.
1: So I'm going to throw a comparison out to you. Love and, it. Uh it. To uh, the mid-90 Arkansas, Chorus Williams, mm. Nolan Richards, athletic defense, The amoeba defense. And shot. And shot. And shot. Uh, and, and Nolan Richards used called 40 minutes of hell. Yeah, yes. Baylor is 40 minutes of hell. Yeah. I would hate – Baylor is a match. Everybody's got a hand on somebody, a poking at the ball. They are the most irritating team in the country to play if you're a point guard, I would believe.
0: You're absolutely right, and that's a great point. They have such good hands. Their hands are so fast on defense.
1: Yeah, I really and, – and Gonzaga, again, I've watched them. They're, They're great. Baylor. Uh, when it gets turning time, there's just one criticism I have of the mid-major. And, and, and there's a difference between the mid-major we want to get in and win one game right. or the yeah. mid-major that's going to win the tournament. Yeah, Are you battle-tested? Right. I don't know. I know Baylor is. Right. we've both said we think, despite the media's love of the Big Ten, We both think the big 12 is the best conference in America right now.
0: Absolutely. And it's not close.
1: And, you know, Baylor is going to come out of there as tested as any team. Now, what scares me for Baylor is their offense. If they, they have to shoot well to be Baylor. They can win the game, dribble, penetration. But really what makes Baylor run is the fact that they can step back, hit a three, and they've got a little bit of 15 to 18-foot mid-range game that not a lot of people do. But uh, if Baylor just had a horrible shooting night, I could see a very, very good team getting them. But I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I don't either. When I build my bracket, Baylor is probably going to be the (laughs) champion.
0: Well, I, I don't think there's any question. I mean, uh, other than if you want to go contrarian, I, I, you know. Yeah. Um. So speaking of poor shooting, nights, did you happen to check out any of the St. John's Villanova game last night?
1: I did. I I did. I I actually had it recorded. If you go to my DVR, <laughs> I have I have Dish Network, and I've got all these games recorded, and I just go through it the next day, and I'll I'll have I'll, I'll uh delete them all, but. For the folks that only watches the show, you don't see all of the show because Cheffy right. and I've got text going all week long. <laughs> after you talked about the show, and I forgot to share this on the remind me to share this later. I gotta put this on the D Swain b show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too. Uh after uh after you mentioned the game this morning when I got up at six o'clock
0: <laughs> get ready
1: for work, I watched St. John's and Villanova.
0: I tell you, I mean, you know, what what a great job by Mike Anderson, Um, but for me, the player that stood out is that is Posh Alexander. I mean, he that that guy. So so Anderson calls him a one man press. (laughs) It's very Javon Carter esque, right? Yes. I mean, he just he is a consummate pest. Um, Brooklyn native, hard nosed player, plays hard. You know, St. John's is one of those teams. They're starting to get they're starting to get a little momentum. 12 and 7 now. Um, I, you know, you certainly have to think so you're talking about a Villanova team averaging 79 points a game. They've scored under, over 80 points in 6 of the last 9 games. Was held to 56 last night. Yes. 37% three-point shooting, shot 27% last night.
1: That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I, I think you summed it up best with a little comment you put in the chat last night. <laughs> you don't want to play St. John's in the tournament. Heck no.
0: Heck no. So, you know, it, it's one of those things um, – Last night was kind of an obscure basketball night. But when you start getting down to it, there were some really good – so the TCU-Oklahoma State game. Kate Cunningham – and you know I'm a Kate Cunningham fan. No relation. <laughs> he totally showed his youth and inexperience last night and cost them that game at TCU. He did. He did. So there was like three series there. One where he turned the ball over on a shot where he tried to flop. One where he missed a free throw. And I can't remember what happened with the other one, but you know, I it's it's interesting to me because um I, I just that you kind of get that when you get these high recruits, right? You're going to have big time growing pains. You're going to see flashes of brilliance with Cunningham's it's been more consistent brilliance, but you're also going to see these gaps were just, and they did it against West Virginia. They just gave up the game. Before there's a lot of talent there, Randall.
1: There is. And, you know, I think we were talking about Kentucky earlier. I think that's a kid they were so convinced was coming to Kentucky that they didn't have a backup plan at the point guard. And it's obvious when you watch them play this year. Yeah. Yeah. And Kate Cunningham, is going to make a blue zillion dollars in the oh. NBA. He is the prototype Brandon Bradley Bill. I mean, he's gonna he's 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 gonna he's gonna be a a superstar, like yeah. a, any yeah. other word. Yeah. And um, but there's not a lot of pieces around him sometimes. Well, and when he don't play a plus basketball, I worry about Oklahoma State.
0: Um, I'll I'll tell you my my opinion of Oklahoma. Lively's a good player, but Lively's a point guard, and he's a little too unselfish at times. He's a really good shooter, yes, but he just does—he's not aggressive, and he doesn't have the confidence. He's a freshman too; he was a top hundred freshman as well. But to me, he kind of disappears. His youth shows in crunch times, and because it's not like in high school, you could be playing another great team. There, are, there's a a ton of pressure on these kids going down the stretch because they're going up against guys. You know, whether it's even TCU last night, you're going against a team that's pretty experienced, right? So when it comes down to crunch time, you need to make the right passes. You need to hit your free throws. You need to get stay in front of your man. You not need to not use. I mean, there's a, a sequence of things you need to do to be successful in these big time games, and
1: they're every night in this conference. And and it doesn't get it doesn't get any better with the conference tournaments coming up. Ooh. I mean, I I, I I try to tell people, uh, and I think you would agree with this. Right now, I think I'm looking as forward to the conference tournament <laughs> as I am to the, the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I, I really get into that conference tournament. I agree, and
0: it's a gauntlet, right?
1: Yeah, and then you got to come down next week and be playing a opening round match.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, you've played Kentucky or you've played Baylor or Oklahoma on a Sunday right for the conference championship and somehow 5 days later you're now doing it again to, yeah turn around and play nickel state that's yeah. how this happens
0: yeah yeah and then and, and people wonder why there's upsets every year right
1: yeah uh, absolutely
0: all right man any other fo- uh basketball notes
1: uh i got to um I got to watch a little West Coast basketball the other night. Okay, that I normally don't get to uh, see, and I kind of saw a couple of Pac-12 teams, and I was really unimpressed.
0: Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I'm with you. Um, and and, you know, I know there's there's at least some bias, right? Right? I mean, but it's funny because I, I think you're a lot like me. I mean, you know, my my. I like to spend the evenings with my wife, and then, you know, um, in, the, in the late nights, that's when I kind of get my, my sports in, whether it's baseball in the summer or basketball right. um, in the winter. But, you know, I, I really look forward to watching a lot of those West Coast games. Uh, as you see, well, I have Pacific and Gonzaga on behind me right. um, just because I like to get a true perspective. Uh, there, there isn't a whole lot to speak of out West. They're not. Um,
1: I, I mean, they're just not. This year – uh, and you know usually west coast basketball's decent you know right right and, and there's three or four really good teams it looks like the Pac 12 has a couple of really nice teams Gonzaga's out there right but there's nobody even threatening the Gonzaga in that WCC conference no and and you know that's usually a conference that's got five or si- five or six that's probably how three or four right, teams right. that are either in the tournament or a bubble tournament yeah there's just not a lot of depth out there. You know, there's a couple of good teams in the Pac 12. Um, I look, I really, really like what's left of the old Big East, I guess we call it. Oh. Uh, I really think there's some teams in there that could be dangerous come tourney time. Yeah. Including who's playing, some people are playing bad right now. My Creighton team is just crashing everywhere, but. You know they'll get it straightened out, but Villanova, St. John's, you never well, know. One of those guys get hot. We'll
0: and, and I'll tell you, I mean, you know, Georgetown, right? Georgetown's Georgetown. Georgetown's a team that um I don't feel like is maybe getting enough notoriety. So again, say I, say I was really impressed with St. John's last night. Um, you know, I I I I, I finally remember. Those days, you know, we spent a lot of years in that conference. (laughs) So, um, you know, there's a fair amount of nostalgia turning on a St. John's Georgetown game.
1: (laughs) Oh, absolutely.
0: Chris (laughs) Mullen
1: versus Patrick Ewing. Well, and I thought
0: Chris Mullen was still coaching there. I I started writing it up. I put Chris Mullen on there. My, oh, wait, it's Mike Anderson. Okay.
1: (laughs) Hey, and two more teams and I'll get off of basketball. Okay. Well, you haven't talked to any about the ACC. Yeah. And probably a lot of that's because North Carolina Duke's probably not what North Carolina Duke has normally been. I really like the way Virginia's playing right now. Yeah. It seems like they're they're kind of whipping themselves into shape. And if you watch Florida State, yes. please tell me how Florida State hitting the top uh, Elite Eight, Final Four type talent team. So one of those two teams is going to get hot and scares. I mean, I really like Florida State. I yeah, really I, like I
0: I do too. And and you know, I mean, I think it's uh, you you mentioned the right two teams, but but the team to watch, the team that's starting to build up a little steam, that, that everyone should be scared of, UNC Tar Heels.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They haven't played well at stretches, but yeah, it's coming.
0: Well, so they lot they they lost last well Tuesday night, but before that they had won I think 6 out of their last 7. So, you know, um again, it's all about getting hot, going down the stretch, right? Um we'll see what happens there, but that that's a team for me that um I'll definitely be keeping my eye on as we get
1: into March Madness. And how would you like to be the team that's in a bracket with like a 7 seed North Carolina. Right, exactly. I, I mean, you don't. I yeah. mean, you don't.
0: It, they're talking, a bracket
1: buster, right? Yeah, when you look and we'll, we'll do that on our bracket buster show. When we talk about it, you can see some of these brackets that's just like, oh, well, you know, they really yeah, uh-huh. That 7 seed, you'll see one bl- bracket that'll have a uh, the 7 seed will be underseed the 10 seed will be underseeded, and then you'll look across and you'll see the weakest 2 seed or something yeah and you know yeah that 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 was a little bit intentional you know done
0: on purpose right yeah yeah
1: Great interest
0: yep yeah. so here we are it always flies by but i know we want to talk about the super bowl at some length so is it it's probably appropriate to move to that right yeah
1: so, who wins the Super Bowl, Randall? You know, uh, I, I, I started to be really smart, and I was going to pick the Chiefs on the other show and then come here and pick the Bucks, and then I could brag on one of the shows. But yeah. I, I really have been thinking about it a lot this week, and I've, I've beat my head, and I've kind of flopped around. But you cannot convince me, even though I said I'd never do it again, the Kansas City Chiefs is the a more complete football team. So, I went with the Chiefs, and I guess I'll stay with the Chiefs. But I, I, you know, and I'm not a fan of either team. I think this is going to be a real fun Super Bowl to watch.
0: I agree. I agree. And, and, you know, I mean, for me, so I went back. I saw it live. I watched it, you know, I mean, we all watched it, you know, week 11. I went back and watched the highlights last night just because I wanted to put up kind of put my mind, myself back in that mindset of what I was thinking about when I was watching it live, right? Do you, how much do you remember about that game?
1: I remember Tariq Hill scored like first play of the game on a ball that traveled about 50 yards in the air. So instead of a biscuit. It, and then the I don't remember if the Bucks turned the ball over or they three and out it it was yeah. 17-0 before yeah. I yeah. Like I watched the first play, went and made a sandwich, came back and sat down. It was 17-0. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now, and, and uh, <laughs> 55 yards in the air. 75-yard touchdown.
1: I, I just remember that Mahomes home stood a blue zillion yards. Uh,
0: you know, the, the thing that I took away from that game, um, there was a stark change in that game. When the Bucks started to double team, both Hill and Kelsey, that kind of worked. That kind of worked. And it didn't happen until midway through the third quarter. Right. It was a late change, but it was effective. Carlton Davis got absolutely toasted. Hill scored all three of his touchdowns on Carlton Davis. The, The second was amazing in that he made he had one guy to beat, and he just did a little hip shake. And I don't know who the so, – so he beat Davis. Davis reached out for him. And then he went down there. That's the one where he did the backflip, right? Right. And then the third one, he just – Mahomes made a great play. He kind of deked and kind of sidearmed it. And the thing about the third one to me was it was one of the best jobs I've ever seen Hill do. Of like not putting his arms up until last second. The defender didn't even turn around, Randall. But you're right. So it was it was 17 7 at halftime. Excuse me. It was 17 0. Brady drove him down the field. Evans scored. It went to 17 7. There's like two minutes and change left in the half. And Mahomes just took the air out of the ball, drove him right down to the field in two minute offense. They got a field goal. But it made it 20-7 at halftime. Kelsey was a big part of that game, Randall. I, this is going to – I agree with you. This is going to be a game for the agents. I don't think either one of these quarterbacks lets, lets their team not play well.
1: So if I if you played out that scenario and told me Tom Brady has the football late in the game with a chance to win this game, I'm not shocked. Um, right. I, I actually think the Chiefs need to get off to a decent start. Uh I think if if the Bucks and Brady can make this an ugly game early, that they've really if this game is 1410 at halftime. I like the Bucks' chances. Yeah, I, I really. Um, Why? Why? I trust the ball in Tom Brady's hands, and I hate to say it. I actually, I, I, I of course trust Andy Reid more, but I actually think that if it's ugly, Andy Reid will will push the issue, push the issue, and his young quarterback will push the issue. And when you've seen Mahomes play bad, is in a situation where he's under pressure, constantly harassed. And I could just see uh, Tampa making this an ugly football game. I also like Tampa's running backs, if they make it early, ugly to run the football better than Kansas City.
0: Yeah, and that's, that's the point I wanted to drive home. One, Ronald Jones had an amazing game. Last time they played. That's the, that's the game where he um, had that long touchdown run down the sideline where everybody thought he stepped out of bounds. Yeah. That, that to me, was one of the runs of the year. Um, And Evans had a big – Evans had two touchdowns in that game. Didn't
1: that game end up in like a one-score game?
0: Yeah. Yeah, they had a chance. They had a – so, basically, Casey drowned it out the clock. It was – I mean, I think it was a four-point game. I can't remember exactly how it ended because I got distracted or whatever at the end. But it, it was like a four-point game or a six-point game, something like that. Casey just – I mean, Mahomes, Mahomes won it with his legs. He he ran for two big first downs just drowning out the clock.
1: You just never doubt. If 12's got the football, he'll figure out a way to get it done. Yeah, But unfortunately – uh, and you you said it, you know, Kelsey will be part of the game plan. He'll be, uh, and I think they're going to get a lot of coverage. Um, I actually, and I don't know who it is, but I, either Hardman or Watkins or somebody is going to have a lot of opportunity with one-on-one coverage in this game. Yeah, Because I don't see Tampa not too bracketing Heel and Kelsey all over the field. So, um, Robinson me, seemed
0: Robinson seemed to be open a lot last time.
1: Yeah, if you tell me one of those guys end up with two touchdowns and 125 yards, I'm not, I'm not shocked. Now, what would shock me is if you tell me one of the running backs from Kansas yeah. City had 100 yards. Yeah. What wouldn't shock me if you told me Tampa rushed for 200 yards or 150 right. yards? Right. You know? Right. So, I just I. I'm really torn, Jappy. Right now, I'm I'm Kansas City just because, and two, it's a little bit of the boxer. You know, you got to knock the champ out, and I don't know if Tampa can knock the champ out.
0: Right. Well, so, and, and to me, who so Brady versus Mahomes? Who's got the better skill set around him?
1: It would probably shock most people, but I, I think Brady does. Really? Yeah. I, well, why? Um, well, I think I think we've said it before, but I think the difference is at running back. Yeah. I, and I, I, if you tell me, it's it's Hill and Kelsey versus Godwin and Evans, and that's a push. I think the other pieces around Tom Brady is better than the other pieces around Patrick Mahomes. I um, give you that, I, and I think that's where it can get get ugly, you know, and can get it can get like if they're able to take if they're able to take Hill or Kelsey out of the games, that'll be huge. If they if they have any success, and, and let me let's add another point. I think Tampa's defense is better than Kansas City's. I I think Tampa gets after the quarterback better than Kansas City's does. I think Kansas City's defense hadn't had to win many football games. And I saw Tampa really step up and the defense play well against New Orleans and Green Bay. So I like Tampa's defense. And that's what's been tearing me up, Chappie. Because normally in this Super Bowl game, I break down special teams and defenses. Sure, let's let's call special teams kind of a watch right now. Uh, I think I think Tampa has the better kickers, maybe, but I think uh, Kansas City has the better return game. But I clearly think Tampa's defense is much better than Kansas City's. Yeah,
0: no, I agree. Um, so for me. Um, I'm I'm gonna go with Kansas City. I, I, here's the thing, and, and and this is where where I come. This is what I come down to. Bet bet your next paycheck that if Tampa Bay comes to Kansas City and they try and double team Hill and Kelsey again, Andy Reid. Is flexible enough to expose that. He is. He's got weapons on that team. Just because they haven't been as consistent. Yeah. It's because those, you know, it's because Kelsey and, and Hill have been so good. If they negate those guys, it would like to your point, earlier, it wouldn't shock me if McCole had Hartman had a huge game, if Demarcus Robinson had a huge game. All those guys are capable of doing that at any time. I I I lean Kansas City because I feel like I, I I feel like Kelsey and Hill versus Evans and Godwin isn't a push. And it's not it's no slight towards Evans and Godwin. Evans great. Godwin's had a bad year.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Granted.
0: So when it comes down to it, and say they effectively double team those two players. For 80% of the game. They're still going
1: to get open four or five times. That's true. And like that, it could change. Do you, I'm going to fire a couple of questions at you. Give it to me. Do you think Tariq Hill becomes the return man for the Kansas City Chiefs in, in all the, situations during in, the Super
0: Bowl? In the Super Bowl, I would. I, I mean, I, I, absolutely. Absolutely. You, yeah, I'm well, trying to get him as much exposure. I'm putting him back there on kick returns. If it's a close game, yeah, he's touching uh, the ball. Anyway, if ball, it's an opportunity, I guarantee you, they've got a couple plays drawn up where he sneaks in there,
1: and they could do gadgety type stuff with him. What are you saving him for? Do you think that playing at Tampa makes a difference in this football game? Yes and no. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I, of course, there has to be some, you know, you can't deny getting dressed in your locker room, playing in front of your fans, uh, even though it's, I know it's weird, whatever, Um, you know, getting up and spending the morning with your family. There, there's benefits to that, right? But, but the other part of it is oh, there's also a lot of pressure.
1: Yeah,
0: and there's a lot of pressure against a really good team, and there's a lot of distractions that come with it too, right? So I, I, I mean, I think that's that. <laughs> I don't know that that plays a factor in the end game. I think this comes down to who's who, who executes better than the other team, who who turns or who takes better care of the ball, and who makes the big plays.
1: So one of the shows I watch a lot of. um he said the wild card and to the game is Claude Edward Hillier. Is there a scenario that he touches the ball fifteen times?
0: I, I, I feel like, and this doesn't happen very lo- often in the an Andy Reid offense. I feel like if if he gets a lead in the second half, you see a different Kansas City team. And that team is going to look a lot like an old-school Kansas City. They're going to run the football. <laughs> and I don't know if it's Hilaire. I don't know if it's Bell. It could be both. I mean, to me, I think Le'Veon Bell, as much as I hate the guy, is the wild card. I I, I, I trust the ball with it in his hands more than I trust it in Hilaire's. Yeah, me too. Me too. And he's played in plenty of big game situations. So uh, to th- that to me is, is the one guy for KC that, and I hate to say it, right, um, that that really could be the deciding factor in the game. And on the other side, you could just say the same thing about Antonio Brown. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about – so we talked about Hill and Kelsey versus um, Godwin and um, Evans. We
1: just forgot to mention Antonio Brown. And, and he was going to be my next subject because Tom Brady loves Antonio Brown. Yeah, rightfully right. so, right? And trust him. Yeah. And uh, they've got a good rapport. When I was making, and I played with a little bit of DraftKings the last couple of days, I haven't put any lineups in. But one of the lineups I played with, Antonio Brown was my captain. And I thought, if I'm trying to be unique, what better yeah. way? What's the one guy? If Antonio Brown's stat line is four for 125 and two, yeah. I mean, I'm shocked, but I'm not like, oh, I didn't see that coming. Because it yeah. could be. You know, if he targets him five times, I, two of them's deep shots, three of them's deep shots, Jappy. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. Uh, also, I, I, I do think this favors Ronald Jones. Yeah. I, I really think the weather's going to be nice. He's the speed back. He's the California kid. I really think he could have a nice game. I have not wanted to pick the Patriots. I mean, the Patriots, the Bucks, all day. <laughs> uh, Tuesday, I told people that I thought the Bucs were going to win. Wednesday, I was like, I, I just don't know. Somebody I trust and listen to a lot on the radio was like, "Don't get me wrong, I think the Bucks are a great story, but Kansas City's absolutely the best football team." And I, yeah. I that's where my mind's at today. Yeah, I, I think the Chiefs are the better football team. Do you? No. Do you agree?
0: Uh, totally, I totally. totally. What? Well, and I, I'll say it this way: I feel like the Chiefs have the best player. That's that's fair enough. Let me ask you this, Randall. Who's the better coach? I,
1: I think I think that's clearly Andy Reid. Yeah. Even though I do not I'm not underselling Bruce Arians. he's a great coach. He's he's a coach that's probably let's admit it, he's a little different, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He's not the guy that that's gonna be uh it's not gonna be cover of the sports illustrated uh personality edition. He's just a little eccentric. He's a good coach though. Did good things in Arizona. everywhere he's been. Yeah, you know, in Arizona. Pittsburgh. Ben yeah. loved him. Yeah, I mean, he's older too. Uh, I almost want to see Bruce Arians get a Super Bowl. I mean, that's yeah, that's one of the reasons I still haven't made up my mind when I sit down to watch the game Sunday, and there's part of me. Cause we have an ongoing fight with the uh, D. Swain Belo show fight that t- about Tom Brady being the goat, right? And I just want to walk on and say, "Told you so."
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm
1: not. I'm not sure that when the game flips on, I don't pull for the Bucks, even though they're in hated NFC division rival in my Falcons. There's a lot. It's a really good feel-good story. To see the Bucs win the Super Bowl, and when's the last time Tom Brady's been a feel-good story? Let me tell. Let me tell you about the Bucks, and you know this. Two things
0: I like about the Bucks. Of course, I'm like you, can't stand Tom Brady, but of course, being a Steeler fan, there's a lot of Steeler blood on that coaching staff. There is Larry, Larry Foote, Byron Leftwich. Of course, Arians. I think there's someone else that's escaping me right now. Um, it, Larry, did I say Larry Foot? I think I did.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you know, something about CNX Steelers when I, I, it kind of strikes close to home, right? Yeah. Even if they're wearing different colors. <laughs>
1: yeah. And, you know, Byron Left, which is going to get an NFL job. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And deserves one. Yeah. The other part of it is, you know, Bruce Arians, I I can't think of another coach, and I'm sure there's some out there, that would fit Tom Brady better than a Bruce Arians offense.
1: I, I don't think Tom Brady could have went anywhere else and got the instant transfer that he did. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um. So from that regard, like I, I really feel like <laughs> as much as I hate to say it, they're easy to cheer for. They are. Um on the other end, with Kansas City, you have the the tradition of the Chiefs, right? The tradition of Arrowhead Stadium. You got Andy Reid, who's like you said, this great, you know. All time coach, who's finally kind of getting his his recognition that he's deserved for so long.
1: I I have described it as John Elway gets a Super Bowl coach edition. That's what I felt like last year. And and, and you know I mean, I, the other part
0: of that is, I, you know how I feel about Mahomes, right. It, it, it's it's one of those things where I feel like and I said this last week I, I feel like I have to kind of reiterate it I feel like we're watching the best two QBs of quarterback history ever right now already on Mahomes' side not on Brady's <laughs> but but I, I just you know when you look at the things that Mahomes is, has done and continues to do
1: I don't... There's no comp. I, I think that's the reason I wanted to be Green Bay and Kansas City so bad. Because I think the comp is maybe Aaron Rodgers. Of course, he's 37 now. But I think they both make these throws that I've never seen other people make. No. And I'm like, you know, how did that football come out that way? How did that football come out? I... For some reason, feel so confident in Patrick Mahomes starting a big game. Yeah, that if it was any other quarterback, I felt the same way about Aaron Rodgers. I was like, ah, it's been a great story. Green Bay will go up there and just kill him. Yeah, kill him. That was my 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 lock of the weekend. Sure, but uh, man, and just I just don't. I really, and I'm reading the book TB12 right now. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out what makes this cat different than everybody else. I thought it was Belichick. Mm-mm. Obviously, it's not. You
0: know what it is? He is so anal retentive. It, it, he is meticulous, attention to detail. He's a perfectionist in every sense of the word. He, I said it the other day, he's a football nerd. Not just the football. You look at his. You look at his nutrition, at how he trains okay. in the offseason. It's everything with him, and give the guy credit. I mean, I,
1: it's unbelievable what he's done. Uh, he's lived his life to play football into his forties, and he's, you know, and we made we did, we had this discussion. It took one hit to end Peyton Manning's neck injury occurred about six years before it actually ended his career. Right. And uh, you, can, you can go, there was a hit against Washington, and, and and he'll tell you himself, this was the beginning of the end for me. Tom Brady just hadn't had that this is the beginning of the end moment. Well, yeah. And, and I think that's a great point.
0: And, and I think often goes overlooked. Brady has done probably the best job of any quarterback ever and avoiding the big hit. His his footwork, his hips, and his shoulders in the pocket are unmatched. Now, he's not the most motable guy, but he is able to evade tackles by just little subtle moves that I think no other quarterback has done even near as well as he's done.
1: And the one thing I always give him credit for, and my guy is Peyton Manning, Peyton Peyton was always – Jittery in the pocket, moving in the pocket. Brady is almost stoic in the pocket.
0: Yeah. yeah. It
1: is almost a lack of motion to Brady. Uh, I think I compare him more to Dan. Calculated motion. Yes. Yes. And I I don't see that comparison get made a lot. And yes, Marino had a better arm. But their body language in the pocket to me, Marino to Brady, is very, very similar. I like it both very stood very tall very uh, there's not 1 ounce of wasted energy in that delivery not one
0: no I, and and you know the the other the other word that comes to my mind poise yeah it doesn't matter that he's down 20 to 7 it doesn't matter you can't rattle him he's just professional he's workmanlike he's not going to get caught up in the moment he's just going to go out and execute perfectly the next play in front of him. And I think that goes a long way with him.
1: He's the kind of guy that could win a Super Bowl down 28 3 in the third quarter. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know I bring that up. Yeah. I mean, I've got many reasons to hate Tom Brady. Yeah. Uh, so, what give me a player we haven't talked about? Who's a wild card that could just do something for both teams? Well,
0: you know, I'll tell you. You know, we've pretty much the the one thing I think that, at least from the Tampa Bay side, you talked about Ronald Jones. I want to talk about, and he had a phenomenal game last time against them. I just feel like Leonard Fournette could be in a situation where he could make a couple really big catches to move the chains, he could get that one-yard touchdown or two. Um, I I feel like maybe his role is not quite as big as Ronald Jones, but I feel like it might be more impactful than Ronald Jones is.
1: Well, I I, I knew you were going to choose one or two guys, so when you chose Fournette, it gave me my chance to choose the guy I was going to choose. Yeah. (laughs) What if I told you Cameron Bray had two touchdown catches? Oh, I –
0: you know I love Cam Bray.
1: I, I mean, I'm not shocked. If I, I think I think those are one of the two guys. And the only guy, other guy I can think of on Kansas City, we kind of touched on him. We kind of went by him. And, but I, I've always been a big mark for Mikael Hardman. And I think yeah. this could absolutely be a place where Mikael Hardman just has that one play that is just explosion.
0: So that here's my same
1: play in high school as a quarterback in Phoenix. Nice. It was unreal.
0: Yeah. So here's yeah. my question to you. Is that one play? Is it an Andy Reid special? Is it a yeah. sign play at a calculated time? Yes. Yeah, I think so too.
1: And, and it might be a reverse. I didn't even oh, say throw right. the ball to him. Right. You might see him line up at, at some place we don't expect him to line up. You might see him in a at quarterback snap. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You could see, that's kind of the reason it's Hardman for me. I I could see Andy Reid coming up with something
0: different. It could be Tyreek Hill throwing him the ball.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's going to be something. Yeah. Andy Reid's going to throw something at us that we ain't seen.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, I'm with you.
1: I think Tampa's tight ends get a couple of red zone targets. And if you're going to, if you're a big DraftKings guy like we are. Uh, to make yourself different, I think the whole world's going to put Gronk in there. I, I think Cameron Break gets the same number of targets as Gronk. So, I just really like – I just feel like this is a game that that somebody that's not on the edge of everybody's tongue is yeah. going to just have a huge game.
0: Yeah. Like I said, Demarcus Robinson got targeted quite a few times last time. Yeah. That, that wouldn't surprise me at all either. Um so we'll see. Um, one more thing I want to talk about. And I, I just, I thought this was interesting. This is one of the things. So you got two tight ends, right? You got, you got Gronk and you got Kelsey. Who's better?
1: We already had to I had this talk earlier in the
0: week.
1: <laughs> uh, I chose Kelsey. Yeah. And we were talking about both of them in their prime. Right. I chose Kelsey, but there's a heck of an argument for Gronk that I think Kelsey's a better route runner than Gronk ever was. I think Gronk was just a big guy that could throw his weight around, and he made a lot of safeties look stupid. Uh, I really think Kelsey's the more complete of the player. And I said it, Gronk is the freak athlete. I don't think Gronk. I to me Gronk's a a man child. I don't think he even realized sometimes what he was capable of doing. So, give me Kelsey, but I put them both in my top five of all time. Okay, so now I got to
0: ask my real question. Okay, you. Know, I, I'll answer first. Give me Kelsey. Yeah. I I give me Kelsey. I, I just you know. <laughs> um he what he's done especially with uh mahomes and what he's um you know projected to do with mahomes i'll take kelsey every day of the week but i kind of set you up there I, i think you probably knew that right and if you've been asked this one tell me because you know i like to be different who's older gronk or kelsey wow
1: Uh, I I know, I don't have a clue, but uh, I'm going (laughs) to say...
0: You've been asked that?
1: I'm going to say Gronk, but I have a feeling I'm going to be wrong.
0: Have you been asked that one? No. They're both 31 years old, brother.
1: Wow, I would have thought Gronk would have been. I
0: I mean, you you think about it. It, It's such an interesting um, ascent, right? Because Gronk was one of those things right out the gate. You know, he was effective. Kelsey's had to kind of build up momentum. And then, you know, you also have to look at how each of those guys has maybe treated their body. Yeah. You know, Gronk's probably lived a little bit more um
1: and hey, Gronk lives Gronk.
0: Yeah. I mean it's just an entertaining lifestyle, right? Let's just put it that way. Let's wow. be kind to him.
1: <laughs> I would have bet I would have bet Gronk was at least 36. Yeah,
0: no, they're both 31 years old, and it's it's just one of those things when you're doing your work, it's like, holy crap. Um, you know, I talked about him last week. Gronk's obviously a little bit ahead as far as um, all-time statistics, but, but it's not far – you know, he was one of those guys that Kelsey's going to jump with another 1,000-yard season, um, which he's been around 1,300 the last three Whoa. or four years, so he should what? catapult him pretty quickly next year.
1: Rob Gronkowski 2021 is not the same Rob Gronkowski 2016 too.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: There's a, there's 40 pounds missing off of this guy. Yeah. And the strange thing is though, and I give Gronkowski credit and and, a hundred percent of this, he has made himself a better blocker as his career went on. And right now he may be the best blocking tight end in the NFL. So, he kind of rebates wow. himself. So,
0: Well, I'll tell you. I mean, for me, the thing about Gronk that I admire, he doesn't have to be doing this. No. Oh. I mean, hes you've won a bazillion Super Bowls. Why, why are you putting yourself through this? So it, it really speaks to him wanting to play um, and kind of cement his legacy with Brady elsewhere. You know, I really I think that's kind of cool. And, you know, maybe he's a shadow of him as his former self. That's still a pretty good shadow.
1: He's still uh, top 15 tied in in the NFL? Yeah. 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 I mean, how would you like to be uh, only the 15th best uh, radio podcaster? And then I I think I'd take that.
0: I would absolutely take that. Absolutely. So so here we are, brother. It's 1130.
1: That was a fun show, man. We got to do a lot.
0: And, and, you know, it's – it's uh, you know, we, we kind of set out an itinerary, but we we definitely um, keep try and keep it organic. Um, any any last passing thoughts?
1: Last thought, though, March 14th uh, on several networks. It's going out. It's going to be on uh, the, b, uh, the East Wayne b Show. It's going to be on Draft for the Upside. It's going to be on Chappie's Fantasy Sports. It's going to be on our personal Facebook. It's going to be on the Marion Messenger. We have Chappie Randall. Uh Raj Meadow, who just uh, hey, just a second, Raj lost his father this week. Prayers, brother. Uh Raj is a former beat writer for the University of Southern California. And one of the best handicappers I know. Wow. The guy when I'm betting ready to place a bet, I want to I want to say, hey Robbie, what do you think? Uh, his name's Robbie Davis. He's an attorney locally. He's a good friend of mine. And that's going to be our cast of characters on March the 14th. And you know what, brother? They're going to challenge. Everybody's going to get challenged. If you make a pick and don't know your business, you'll be kicked off the air. We've also we got a couple of guests coming from Tennessee Macabre, which is a local, one of those great local shock theater uh, kind of shows. And we'll probably have a couple other people just dropping in and out. It's going to be fun. We're going to kick it off about an hour before the bracket reveal. And I'm looking super forward to it.
0: Yeah, me too. It should be fun. Um,
1: I'll have a camera other than being here and there. I'll actually have a camera by then.
0: (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, you know, I I touched on it earlier. This is a great time of year. I love doing draft prep. I love, you know, um, starting, and especially even after the Super Bowl, just starting to think about, you know, what what your team's going to do in the offseason, where you're picking. I love breaking down, you know this, college football prospects. We haven't done that a whole lot yet. I'm looking forward to doing that here over these next couple of weeks. Um, and, and, and you know, of course, the uh, March Madness, which is um, just an overload of, of, of fun, right? So really looking forward to this next month or so of sports. And um, you know, bet your butt we're going to talk about it, right?
1: Yeah, we're going to be doing a lot. They may be, they may be one more of these River City specials working for that first round of the NFL draft. We won't sit here for the whole first round. We may do about you know four fifteen-minute segments, maybe pick eight, pick fifteen. It's not announced, but you can you could probably bet that, that that. You might see Chappie and Randall around somewhere during the NFL draft.
0: Yeah, I love talking that stuff. And, you know, we've certainly started to delve into it, just a super high level. Um, I think maybe next week we start talking a little bit more deeply on it.
1: Sounds good. i got to get prepped for the baseball draft. I'm sorry, Chappie. You know I'm going
0: to pep you, bud.
1: Uh, Hey, i got to start working because if I don't, I'm going to get embarrassed on here.
0: Hey, corner infield's next week. Sounds good. Beef up on that, all right?
1: All right, sounds great.
0: All right, man, next Thursday, let's do it again. Deal? Yep. I'll All right, man. Till then, appreciate Rachel. you guys. Have a good night.
1: See you, Chappie.
0: Take care, guys. All
1: right.